you don't turn your mic on. <laughs> well, we done started this one off good. That's why I'm going to let her go first. She said, look, I'm tired of cleaning up after you, man. I said, right, we'll let CJ do it today. Boy, don't I know how to play the 88s. I met him one time late 70s at Elton John concert down in Atlanta. He was sitting in with Elton John. Now nah, I'm playing with you. That was a past life. That's, uh, but anyway, we do have a legitimate ministry, and to be honest with you, we are founders and directors of the Shepherd Staff. Now you put that on for uh, size. And we have a legitimate director. So anything we talk, say, and do, which we only have a few minutes, so we're not going to be long, but anything we do within the Shepherd Staff, have done for 30 years, it is strictly because of Jesus and his grace and his goodness and his love, calling us, saving us, putting us together. She had her life mapped out. I've just been born again a few months. Same lady, precious, precious woman, who loved me to Jesus for about four or five months. Uh, about six months after I became a Christian, introduced me to my little girl, and we rode off in the sunset. She's had the most wonderful, blissful little life she could ever have. <laughs> But, um, and I'm going to let her go first, kind of talk about what she wants to talk about, and I'll finish up. But seriously, we have uh, good board directors, and we have phenomenal kids and grandkids, which we have a couple here. Of course, y'all know Nate Dixon, but I want little Isaac, Daniel, and Layton to stand up, please. That's two of our grandkids. Thank you. Thank you. One of them is a left-handed star pitcher, and one of them is a right-handed star pitcher in baseball. Stand up, Wendy. That's our little in-town daughter-in-law, Wendy. <laughs> so you little girls need to get to know her, man, because she's got quite a story herself. Uh, but anything we do, everything we do is because of Jesus. We just, we're just point men and women is all we are. You guys, volunteers, people pray and give and love and give to us. That's why we can do what we do. And, man, we're having a good time. And we're, we're putting a dent in it. That's basically what we say to people. We're putting a dent in it because it's hell out there. To be honest with you, it's straight up. That's why I won't be here next week. Or won't be, won't be preaching. I'll be here. But, I mean, it is. And you know it, and I know it. It's tough, man. It's wild out there. And I came from wild, so I know a little bit about it. But I'm going to let Debbie share a little bit about her end of it, and I'm going to come here and share four verses with you, and we'll get out in and go eat, Drew. <laughs> that and right there. Yeah. He had a better idea for me. Uh, I was minding my own business and chasing runaways, and Lenny literally walked into my apartment. I pulled my glasses down, and I said, may I help you? And he said, I'm here to see Shirley. Shirley happened to be the lady that did lead him to Jesus. And I thought, hmm. But the thing was, he thought, hmm. And 16 months later, we were married. Now, I was thinking... I'm marrying a guy with a real good job, lots of money, 
he'll work. I'll do my little job um, as a social worker. He'll be out of town. He'll come home on the weekends. We'll have lots of money. We'll honeymoon. And it'll work out great because he won't be around to tell me what to do. Well, little did I know that God in his wisdom had such a wonderful, wonderful plan. And being married to Lenny has been like being tied to the tail of a kite in a hurricane. So we know, I know a lot about the grace of God. Um, Shepherd Staff Ministry um, was birthed out of God's heart, certainly, because my idea was to stay in Virginia and work with unwed mothers. I thought, God, you need us here, so why are you taking us to Alabama? But Lenny told me, Deb, you can do anything for two years. So I said, okay, well, that was in 1985. But what I didn't realize is that I would fall in love with those boys. So 10 at a time for about 13 and a half years. Also fell in love with their families. And we had people say, how can you stand their families? Look what they've done to them. The love of God constrains us. It doesn't make sense to me to love people who physically and mentally and sexually and every other way abuse someone. But God loves them. He is a just God. and He's a loving God. And if you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, it just overflows. You can't help but minister. So out of those 13 years with those young men, we started working with their families, ended up coming to Montgomery. Our board of directors thought that would be a good idea. Moved to Montgomery there again. God knows what he's doing. Um, as a result of moving to Montgomery, we were able to recruit and train many, many foster parents. Gateway was part of Shepherd's staff before we were part of Gateway. Uh, you all opened your doors to let us do foster parent training, foster and adoptive parent training. Uh, and we continue to recruit foster parents. And it is not easy because we, we recruit for agencies that... Um, aren't necessarily doing it God's way. And some of those uh, foster parents that are here can tell you it is not easy working with um, people who don't necessarily share your same ideas and values. But Lenny says it's like going behind enemy lines and getting those children out. And so we're able to do that. And I thought, well, you know, that, but, but shepherd staff is so much more than that, Lord. And it's not because of us. It's because of him. And he gave me a scripture that says he sets the solitary in families. A lot of the people that we work with, ministry is as you go. A lot of the people we work with are adults. People who should have been in foster families. Or they are looking for someone to help them find the right way. May not, you know, we're 30 seconds away from getting off track. And every one of us, except for the grace of God, could end up in a mess. I mean, we never know. So we have to stay stay very close to the Lord. The good thing about um, being in the ministry for as long as we have is that I, we deal with the social workers who say, Deb, I'm seeing this foster child 
but I also saw her mom. Because of Jesus, we are able to say, you know what, I understand that, but let me give you some of the scenarios because of Jesus, not because of Lenny and Debbie and our wonderful parenting. Our kids will tell you that our feet are clay up to here, but because of God. About four years ago, we were able to stand in a hospital with a young man that that we watched grow up, and he came out of the delivery room with a little bundle in his arms, and he looked at me and he said, Mom, the cycle is broken. She will never have to go through what I went through. She won't know ten different foster homes. She will never know the abuse. She'll never have to scrape in a parking lot to to find bottles to sell to buy bread for her brothers and sisters. Mom, the cycle is broken. Well, about two weeks ago, we were at her four-year-old birthday party. And it was such an amazing blessing because of God, because of Jesus, because the gospel was introduced It was such an amazing blessing to see her hanging on his neck. And she has him wrapped right here. And her her mother, they've been married 16 years, by the way, so she was one of these. She's going to be absolutely rotten and absolutely perfect. You know how grandchildren are perfect. Right, Rochelle? They're perfect, aren't they? (laughs) Um, But her mother looked at me and she said, I don't know what I'm going to do with him. She said, she looks at him, and he makes absolutely no sense. That's the difference in Jesus. That little girl won't ever have to know what her daddy knew. The other thing, and I just, um, we have been in this long enough to um, celebrate things. I had one of our adoptive parents who wasn't even sure she and her husband could even be foster parents. She said, Deb, I don't know. This is tough. We're gonna, our, our lifestyle's going to change. I'm not sure we can do this. I said, you know what? You can't do it. But the Holy Spirit in you can do it. You guys pray about it and let us know. Well, they met with us. And um, to make a long story short, she and I've shared this story with some of the foster parents, but her mom called me one day and she said, Deb, she was in the bathroom, and I could hear her going. And she said, so I, I ran up the stairs, and I said, Honey, are you all right? Everything got quiet. Yes, ma'am. She said, I started back down the steps, and I heard it again. So she said, I went back up, and I knocked. And I said, Okay, what's going on? And this little 11-year-old was standing there, and she said, Mom, I'm just so happy to be here. I was jumping up and down. Well, just probably two weeks ago, I got this beautiful picture of this stunning brunette in an evening gown. And she was just in a pageant. And she was the audience's choice. That's Jesus. The other side of it, is you all not only opened your doors for us to be um, to train foster parents here, but um, 
we also are able to work with senior adults. And the reason that even happened, ministry is as you go. We, had, we needed some maintenance done on one of the houses where we had mother and children. This guy came to do the maintenance, ended up needing some help. Well, what do you do? Do you say, oh, no, wait a minute. You're not a foster parent. You're not a foster child. We can't help you. Well, no, that's not how it works because that's not how Jesus does. He never goes around the problem. He goes right to it, and he gives us the opportunity. So he ended up staying, helping, ministering, then ended up in an independent living home where he said, you know what, Lenny, they don't have gospel here. So about, what, eight years ago? Eight years ago, we were able to start a Bible study there. This little guy, y'all, God doesn't miss anything. He ties the threads together. And a couple weeks ago, time runs together for me. Praise God, time's forever with him. But uh, Carmen and Elaine came and ministered. You... It was such an amazing thing because our, all of our volunteers said this was absolutely the best Christmas party we've ever had. The senior adults had, they, they so enjoyed it. But our families out in the community that are referred to us, you students have ministered to them without even knowing. You guys have done CEOs for us, the group that you had out this summer. <clears throat> um, you guys showed them the love of Christ. That we can, we can say all day long, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. But when you're kind to them and they don't exactly fit, but you provide a space for them. Um, and Drew, I don't know where you are, but uh, one of our families that had been referred to us had a little boy on a walker. Well... Drew and, and the students took him, on, took him to the beach on a retreat. Now, that is sacrificial love. Because when you're a teenager, the last thing you want to do is be slowed down at the beach. So you guys have taught us so much. Um, when you're in the ministry, you get beat up a lot. Um, but it, it's such a blessing to know that we have a family to come home to here. We may not know your names. And if I know it today, I may not know it tomorrow. But um, we're family, and it's a safe place, and you love us. And, that's, and you encourage us to keep going. Um, Shepherd Staff provides a clothing closet. Clothes are free. We have a small warehouse. We need a big warehouse if anyone has space available. Uh, our warehouse that we were able to put a lot of things in and minister to the community was taken over by a couple of gangs. The first gang took care of us. The second gang came in, and they didn't want to share the territory. They didn't mind sharing it with us, but they didn't want to share it with each other. And so they set mattresses on fire, and it was really bad. But let me go back and ex- tell you that even those gang members desire family. We came into the uh, warehouse one evening, 
and it was right around Christmas time, and, and I was looking for some of our Christmas decorations. And there were beds set up, and someone had given a large screen TV, so there was a large screen TV, and y'all, there were feature films for families. They had been watching feature films for families. Gang members that shoot each other, and God only knows what else. But they have a desire for love and family. And sometimes we miss it because we're fearful. Um, You guys know what sacrificial love is about. Um, What we do to me doesn't seem like a sacrifice. Because compared to the cross, it's really not a big deal. But thank you for uh, encouraging us. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for loving us. Um, And we are so, so very grateful to be here. And if we pop into your mind, please pray because Lord knows where we are and what we're doing. Thank you. to push it the wrong way. <coughs> Hebrews 9, 27. I'm just going to share a few verses with you and kind of mingle in a little bit what we do, but we don't have uh, much time, but that's good. Uh, ministry is really from the cradle through the grave, as we've talked about, and it's all over the place. North Pass, we're about 10 years in the North Pass. If you go out there, North Pass, if you've been out that way, is a one dead-end street. 05, when we went out there, one of our volunteers who liked what we did and liked the way we did it was just a typical church member sitting on the back pew. I spoke at a couple of breakfasts, confused him pretty good, so he came and asked me what I was talking about. And I told him, he said, how can I help you? I told him. He went out North Pass, bought one of those little garden homes, whatever you want to call it, renovated it, and donated it to us so we could have Bible study out there. Because that was a real blighted area at that time. We've been in every project area in the city at one time or another, some a bunch, and we get to the penthouses. So is anything in between? It's white, black, oriental. It don't matter. It's, it's human beings is what it is. And it's an opportunity for Christians to do more than just give the verbal gospel, which is a pretty big thing amongst uh, evangelical situations. But we're going to have to hopefully go through some verses here and let us know, because you guys got the propensity. We've been, uh, I've been born again for 36 years. Been in several real good churches in Virginia, down here. But you guys have the propensity and the potential to do something in this war zone city that we deal with on a day-to-day basis on the streets that I hadn't seen anywhere else. That's really what brought us over here. Uh, Hebrews 9:26. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the ages hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. I want you to mark that verse, think about it, because that's salvation right there. It's not a real quick thing. It's not a four-sentence prayer. It's a sacrifice of God that cost him his life. He sacrificed heaven, 
left the glory, came down here and lived on this sin-sick, sin-cursed world for one reason, to put away sin. And the human beings that had got into uh, the fall came in and we fall, fell into total depravity. So he did that to sacrifice, to set the stage for what? Hebrews, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Romans 12.1. So when we really become Christians, and there's a whole different thing, I mean, a whole, whole big difference between the possessed of the Holy Spirit, possession of Christianity, and a professed Christianity. It's, it's, a, it's a big difference, and it's a big battle within the church today all over the nation. We have uh, the Islamic war and a lot of terrorists, a lot of stuff going on there. We got the race war going on. We got the political war, which is going to be raging now for about another year, which is just a forest of, of situation. But it's also a truth war within the you know, within Western Hemisphere of real, true, biblical Christianity and walking out Christianity than, than, than a lot of stuff that we see. Romans 12.1 gets us going in that journey. I beseech you, individually, I beseech you, I ask you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, real born-again people, Really people that understood the sacrifice of Christ, the substitutionary death. God in our place, dying for our sin, wretched, wicked, debauched, drug abused, alcohol abused, insanity like I spent 13 years in, or nice little more intellectual, four-year degree, going to law school, come from an upper-middle-class family, everything pretty good, has like much stuff growing up. It's the same debauchery. It's just dressed up a little different. And that's why God calls us from the cradle to the grave to the projects to the penthouse. And that's what I love about the ministry. Man, I can go to the projects for two or three hours or I can go downtown, I can go on the west side, north side, spend a lot of time with the street brothers over there. The guys that did what I did a long time ago were doing what I used to do. And, and we can break it down. And, and it's kind of, you know, it, it, kind of, it takes them a second because they they, sometimes they think I'm a ghost. I look like a gray-haired white guy. And, you know, but when I tell them, hey, look here, man, I went from Jimmy to Jesus. They don't even know who Jimmy is. I got to break that down. Jimmy Hendrix. Y'all in the rap now. You into something that don't make absolutely no sense. <laughs> Jimmy made a lot of sense. <laughs> Matter of fact, I met a, met, a, met a guy in the Walmart the other day. I had my brother-in-law with me. He thinks I'm a schizophrenic. Guy behind me had a Vietnam hat on, big, tall, nice-looking black guy. Well, older guy, about like me, if he's nice-looking. But I said, "What year were we in Vietnam?" Partner, appreciate your service, man. Uh, he said, "About 67 through 70." I said, "Wow, man, I was just really getting into the pinnacle of my party years." In I said, "Matter of fact, uh, main guy I was kind of wanting to be like was Jimmy Hendrix, and he looked at me kind of weird." I said, "But you know what? Thank you for what you did, man. Because while I was sucking dope." and acting stupid and trying to find real life, fulfilled life. You know, that it's, you know, hardly, not a whole lot of people find fulfilled life. That's why I praise the Lord for the woman that broke Jesus and salvation down for me over about six months. It wasn't six minutes, 16 minutes. It wasn't a quick prayer. It was, Lenny, this is who Jesus is. This is what he wants to do. He loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And then she asked me something one day that just, I couldn't get off my mind. She said, let me ask you something. After we knew you had a relationship now, several months into it, she said, are you totally satisfied, fulfilled with your life like it is right now? 
I said, yeah, man, I have a ball. You know, she said, no, nah, I know. I know you're the part, life of the party and all. I'm asking you when you brush your teeth or you get up or you come me a hire and you look at yourself. Are you totally satisfied, fulfilled with yourself right now? 26-year-old man had had a horrible 13 years of being. I mean, it was a lot of good stuff. I had some good parents, man, World War II veterans. My daddy went to D-Day, got shot up. A pretty little British mom was in the British Army. They met when they tra trained for D-Day. He got shot up on, uh, on the Omaha Beach. He got relocated to North Africa. Sovereignty of God put my little British mama from Britain to North Africa. They met again, and here's a brother. Now, you think about that for a minute. What are the chances of that? I mean, you don't roll that kind of seven. But anyway, uh, that's what it was. I forgot my poem, but let's go on. <laughs> By the mercies of God that you, individual, me and you, present your bodies while we're here, get born again, April sometime, April 79, man, for 36 years, that's what he wants me to do. If I'm here another 15 or 20 or 4 or 5, this is, my, this is the plight for me and you if you're born again. Now, if you just want to come to church and stuff, this isn't your thing here. Go on, come on in, join, kind of get with the groove, have a good time, leave on out, eat your, eat your potatoes or your, or your chicken or whatever. But if you're born again, your body's a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now it starts getting tough. Now it starts getting Go to Luke 14, 26. This is where it really starts getting tough. And, buddy, you're looking at two gray-haired people's had to digest this. We knew it. It came to us. Matter of fact, it came to me in Atlanta. I was kidding about Ira. 1995. I don't know if anybody went to the Promise Keepers thing down there in 1995. 65,000 men. I was in the middle of it. I don't know if you knew Ricky Skaggs or not. He came out and sang a song, and we were staying there. And boy, I hadn't cried as hard since my daddy's funeral. But he sang a song called Cat and the Fiddle. <laughs> Yeah, I got you, I got you. <laughs> well, they knew what I was talking about. <laughs> and man, I just, 95, now that's a long time ago. And I already knew what, what journey I was set on. And boy, I said, man, it's not going to be comfortable. If any man come to me, any human, and hate not his father and mother, and wife and children. Man, you got you to die. That's why I told you tomorrow. Once you take it home, man, it's isn't any quick stuff you can read over in a little five-minute devotion one morning, bounce on in to work and make big money and go down to the pool hall or whatever you do. Not his, hate his mother, his wife, his children, and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life cannot be my disciple. Now, that was Jesus. Wasn't Rick Warren. Wasn't Joe Osteen, and they don't probably preach. I don't know if they preach that or not. But I'm going to tell you something. That's Jesus, and that's you, and that's me. Sometimes you get a chance, we have four kids, and any three, good size, that's, that's his two boys, right? that's his wife. And then there's a third, Joshua Daniel, which he and his children, my grandkids, will be here. I hope might be here next Sunday. We'll come see us for Christmas. They live in Mobile. Nathaniel and Nate, which y'all know here. Now, they're married. These boys here, they, they, they left mom and dad and went and cleaved in the wives. Nathaniel's still 27, hadn't done that yet. 
In case some of you girls didn't know that, I don't know. <laughs> I told him, I said, son, you are, you're brilliant. He said, what do you mean, Dad? Just because I went to college, got a degree, and you didn't? I said, nah, man. Because I graduated from high school. And, man, I was, I was the top half of the bottom third of my class. You couldn't make it. <laughs> but at any rate, I said, let me pick your wife, man. <laughs> let me do it. But anyhow, and then we have a girl, Dallas, our little daughter, Dallas, which really isn't the fold right now, so if you would pray for that. But this right here, we got to digest this. If you want to exegete some scripture, mamas and daddies, brothers and sisters, friends, neighbors, digest that one. And then find out who Jesus really is. Because, man, I'm going to tell you, he's sovereign. He's God. He's in control. And he's got the plan. We think we got it going on. Uh, you know, the, the football jargon is he's got his strut or he's got his, uh, whatever it is, huh? Swag. Swag, there you go. I've got crazy little fake fools, fools gold stuff in that, what's it called, SEC mess. It's just a substitute. It's just a deterrent to keep us from what really life's all about. That's life right there. That's, that's every day, every minute, and it's hard to get to. Now let's get to the, you know, as you do that, as you think about it and get that, Let's go to the next scripture, which is First uh, Thessalonians, and I'll wrap it up here. First Thessalonians, because this is the, this is uh, really the epitome of our ministry, and 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 this got played out to me in real time, like they say, real time, real life, by a sweet little woman that was a professional interior designer when I had left the. Uh, factory world in Roanoke, Virginia, where I was born and raised, and, and it went in business for myself. Actually, I was in partnership with a guy hanging wallpaper. Now, who in here is going to let a guy with blue jean cap with all his hair tucked up under it, which was a lot back then? Mostly high on dope, but that's how I started out in the paper hanging business, and I ended up being real good. When Debbie met me, I had gone from residential work, seven days a week in residential area, beating my brains out to, to build my reputation up, so I could get more work to hanging for the Holiday Inn people in Virginia, Tennessee, and Carolina. Tripled my income. I mean, it just took off like a rocket several months after I became a Christian. I said, man, this thing really works, man. But uh, anyway, this is how the woman broke it down for me. And this is what God's trying to teach me and her to do on a daily basis to anybody, anywhere, anytime. Elevators, cars, behind 7-Elevens, in front of... ABC store downtown, Walmart, wherever. So being affectionately desirous of you, we, and y'all, like I said, y'all got the propensity to really do it in here. We were willing. That's a big word there for us, people. We've got to be willing to have imparted unto you the gospel of God. You see that? The gospel of God. The real truistic gospel of God. A little different than the Pentecostal flavor maybe or the charismatic flavor or the SBC, Southern Baptist flavor, independent Baptist, whatever. It's gospel of God. The real truistic Bible-oriented gospel of God. But not the gospel only. See, it's where we start going from real quick. Let's, you know, let's get somebody... To hear about this little gospel out loud, well, I knew the rumors rode. Everybody's thinking I knew I've been the evangelism explosion. And 
and I knew the face outlined. I've been, been there and done all that, taught it and everything. But this woman who was able to share with me for about six months in this wallpaper store taught me more about evangelism on, by accident than Liberty University taught me on purpose. Because she not only gave me the gospel of God, but also our own souls. Because you were dear to us, that's what's going to separate professed Christianity over possessed Christianity. Real things. That's where born again comes in, being birthed in the family of God on really knowing who Jesus is, really knowing what the sacrificial substitutionary death was, really understanding he rose from the dead. Nobody's ever done it. Nobody ever will. Muhammad, Buddha, none of those boys could do that. It's all fool's gold. We got the real thing. And not a lot of people have it, man. I'm serious. Now, it's, it's blasted all over the place, but it's got so degraded through the years that once we get a, really get a hold of it, then we can spend time, whether it takes 22 days, two weeks, two years, 10 years. And this is where it gets real, real, real hard if you hook up and do some stuff and go to some places and, and really put yourself out there a little bit. The fans have watched me deal with a guy. Well, he, he's dead now. Looked like Charles Manson, really did. White guy, lived out there uh, on the west side when I did, spent a lot of time out there preaching at the uh, mission and, and, and met some people. You know, just, just, just moving around a little bit. And he was in one of those motels. And he moved from motel to motel. Uh, used to be in the peddler down there at the end, even tore it down now. One of the most notorious drug dealing places in the city at the time about 10 years ago. But anyway, Doug met him, loved him, spent time with him, helped him as he moved from motel to motel. I said, man, there's a better way, there's a better way, there's a better way. I said, man, we'll send you to uh, 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 free rehab. We'll, you know, we'll put you in rehab. We'll take get you out of here. We'll get you an apartment. We'll put your furniture in. We'll take your girl. We'll get you legitimately married. Man, you can have a life. I want it. I want it. I want it. I'll get there. I'll get there. I'll get there. Never got there. Died two or three years ago. But I got the opportunity to do his memorial service for him. And I got the opportunity to look at his brothers as I did that and let them understand, man, you treated this little boy like a dog. Didn't tell him that. But he really, did, you know, just really treated this guy like a dog and let him, helped him live that life a lot. And I eat for him. But Jesus throughout y'all's giving, praying, and everything, gets us around people like that that we can impart our own soul, even when they die and go to hell. Because you know what we were able to do for 10 years of his life? Give him a glimpse of a good life. Help him with some food. Help him with some beer. Talk to him, pray with him, cry with him. But now he's gone. We gotta live the rest of life. But see, there's some good stories, some real good stories. About time, uh, let me try to do something. I don't know if I can do this or not. Uh, I asked uh, Doctor Dan in the back if this would work. He said, "I don't know. Let's try." Uh, anyway, this right guy right here. Oh yeah, let's try. Let's do it. Uh, well, I'll, I'll play it when I talk about it. 
coming out of one of these convenience stores one night, like like we do occasionally, and uh, he saw a guy laid all up, kind of drunk over to the side, and there's a veteran asking for some money and stuff, like you do around town, and the thing that made a prophetic statement to him, he said, man, look, my daddy can help you. And he was talking about his physical daddy. Of course, he'd go, here's my daddy's number. My daddy can help you. Boy, got straightened up in a couple, three days, he called me. We met. Talked. Met, met, had a couple meetings. Ended up going down McDonald's on the, um, near the uh, Mobile Highway. He sat there at McDonald's pretty straight as we seen to a rehab in Mississippi. And cried like a baby. Grown man, probably 55 or so. But you know we did that because we impart not the gospel only, but also our own soul. It didn't take but a couple of meetings, 30 minutes, hour, whatever it all totaled up, for him to lock eyes with me and us to lock hearts together. And he might have spent all his life like it. But see, I used to be there. I used to be outside a store, falling around, stupid up. And you know what? Road Virginia, about a town of this size here, no man that I know of, no man in that city of a couple hundred thousand people could ever or ever did give his long-haired dope head the gospel. It took a woman, 20 years older than me probably, to which I ended up calling her mom. She was about like a second mom and ended up going to heaven with breast cancer about six, six years ago. But I had that verse exegeted to me, and that's really what <coughs> helped start our ministry out. I mean, start us off in the ministry. I had uh, hung paper for about two years for all the end people. And as God saved me in, in, in the uh, spring of 79, he called me to ministry in the spring of 80. And a guy barely got out of high school, went to Liberty University Bible College, and had a ball. Because all it was was scripture, teaching, preaching. Learn to love God and love people. And here we are. Now we have the opportunity together. Man, we got a good mix here. And you didn't advertise to get the good mix. You love people around here to get your good mix. You sacrifice a little bit of gymnasium or goals or whatever. Because sometimes people that haven't had the kind of lives you and I have had, they don't really know how to take care of stuff. And they don't know how to be thankful for stuff. JT learned with just two or three meetings how to be thankful. Because, man, he's getting there. He's getting, I don't know if he's there yet, but he's going to come in this Christmas. Hopefully we can bring him up here and let you meet him. But that's life. That's Christianity. 
and it's real. The biggest thing out there today is superficial versus sacrificial. And it's a, it's a battle. It's a battle. Wow, you encouraged. That was incredible. We got the gospel today. The worship team can come forward, please, as we just close out this time. Just with the challenge we've heard, we want to pray for Debbie. You can come up, sweetie. You can come up here, sweetie. We are so blessed to have this couple and the challenge we've heard today and to be a part of this ministry and them a part of us as family. And gospel was presented today here, folks. You may not know this Jesus that was talked about today, but we do want to submit this to you that if you don't know him, please come forward today and let us introduce you to him. The life that has changed this family, the life that has changed this city and this church, God, the person in Christ, and he's here. He loves you, as you've heard all this morning. So we want to open up this altar. You may have been challenged about, you haven't been living your life sacrificially. Maybe there's a time that you want to settle and say, Lord, I give it up again. I've Maybe even I haven't been presenting the gospel, but I certainly have been presenting myself and my soul to others sacrificially. So we just want to open this altar in this time to let the Holy Spirit speak, especially, saints, during this time when we have opportunities over the next couple of weeks, during the holidays with family, friends, coworkers, that Jesus can be on display. His love, his life, his sacrifice can be just a light through you and in you during this season that you can talk to family and friends. So let's all stand. We're going to pray for this couple and this ministry. Baxter, please come down too. As soon as the worship starts, we can pray over you. Very excited about your life. We'll be praying for you as well. But Lord, God, thank you for your gospel that's been presented today. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrificial love. We thank you. For Lenny and Debbie Dixon, God, their life, their testimony. What a beautiful, pure display of your love and your grace and your mercy that we heard today, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for them. We thank you for Shepherd Staff. We thank you that we have partnered as family with them, that we can be a part of advancing the gospel, the kingdom of God in this city, in this community, among lives that need to see you, to know you, to experience your love and grace, your redeeming power. God, we pray in Jesus' name you would continue to provide for them in this ministry, their marriage, everything they need. You are their provider, their source. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will provide a bigger warehouse, that you will provide what they need to minister and to reach out to the people in this city to share the love of Christ. Lord, we ask you to continue to bless their amazing marriage. How encouraged we have been today just seeing this precious couple with Jesus at the center. We thank you for their family, for their kids and their grandchildren. We pray a continued blessing on them as they will be salt and light in this city, being connected to this legacy of love and sacrifice. We thank you so much for that, Father. So bless them, Lord. Speak to them. Continue to draw them to yourself. That we can be a part of, again, partnering with Shepherd Staff as we have as family to see the gospel of Jesus Christ transform the city of Montgomery and the River Region. We praise you today, Lord. And we pray in Jesus' name that draw them people to yourself, Lord, to the altar, to whatever is needed. We thank you, Lord. Just the opportunity today to hear the gospel, to see you and experience your love in Jesus' name.